Hindsight can haunt us all in innumerable ways. What if one day, one ordinary Tuesday morning, you witnessed something you thought was insignificant, only to learn later that someone's life was in mortal danger? What if you had called out for help? What if you had tried to stop it? Those are questions Juliet sometimes asks herself. Juliet isn't her real name, but that's what we're choosing to call her to protect her identity. On the morning of January 24, 2006, the same day Jennifer Kessie disappeared, Juliet was in a hurry. Her husband, a cancer patient, was late for his radiation treatment at a local clinic. She drank her coffee, locked the house, and got behind the wheel of the car with her husband in the passenger seat. The pair drove through their development in the heart of Orlando, coming to a stop sign at the intersection of Moxie Boulevard and Conroy Road. As Juliet flicked her right turn signal, she saw something. Her husband saw it too. Across the road, at Mosaic at Millennia, where Jennifer lived, a car was driving erratically. As we stopped at the stop sign, we saw a black Malibu. It was four-door. And we saw a struggle in the car as if someone was taking a steering wheel out of someone's hand. We didn't stay to watch it or which way they went because of my husband's first day of radiation for his prostate cancer. The car was a black Chevy Malibu, identical, Juliet says, to the one belonging to Jennifer that she'd later see plastered all over the news. But at that intersection on that morning, as Juliet hurried to make that right turn, no one knew a young woman was about to disappear. My morning began about 6 o'clock a.m. that morning because my husband had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer and he had an appointment at 8.30. So we began to leave out of our driveway. We lived on Snowflake Court at the time. And we began to take Snowflake to Troubadour to Moxie, which is directly in front of the Mosaic complex. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you it was clearly that morning between 7 and 7.30 a.m. This was around the same time that Jennifer typically left for work. So you were at that intersection, which I've I've actually been to that intersection, um, and you're you're about to pull out from the intersection and then across that two-way road, you see a car that looks like Jennifer's coming out of the Mosaic Apartments. And were you able to see what the driver looked like and the passenger? What what did you observe? I did not because the car, you can tell the car was steering from side to side, that there was some type of struggle going on inside the car. I see. So the car was moving sort of toward the intersection and it was moving in a, in a way that was erratic or? Correct. That's the correct word I would use, erratic. You make this observation and what did you say to your husband or what did you two discuss? Actually, my husband said, it seems like somebody's fighting in that car. He said, if we had time, we would call the police. And I said to him, we don't have time because you got to go. It's your first day radiation. That's why we did not stay at the stop sign to see which way the car turned because we was rushing to try to get on the other side of town for his first day of radiation. 
So when you turned to go on your way, was the car still at the intersection? Yes. 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 When we made our right turn, the car was still in the intersection of the mosaic. And you're certain that it was a black Chevy Malibu? I'm 100% certain. But from where you were, you were not able to see if it was a woman driving or a man driving? I honestly could not tell. Sitting in the waiting room of the doctor's office, Juliet couldn't stop thinking about the swerving black Malibu. Neither could her husband. Did you guys talk at all during the day about what you had seen or you kind of just dismissed it? No, we actually we actually talked about it because we, we didn't know what happened. We were like, I wonder if somebody was fighting. Matter of fact, I even pulled up on the news to see if there was any accidents reported in the area. There was no accidents reported in the area. So we did often wonder what happened that day. How many people were in the car in total? That I could not tell. I don't know. Have you ever been to the mosaic? But we, when you yeah. come out the mosaic, there's a when you come in out of the their gate and you pull towards the front, they're not actually up to the road yet like we were. So they were a little bit back as they were just coming out of the complex. But we can still see the car, what kind of car it was. But we could not see the people inside of the car because of the distance it it was from our stop sign. We'll be back after this short break. Did you hear the news? Now you can. With instant updates from Fox News for Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play news from Fox. In Fox News. It's the latest when you need it. On demand from Fox News and Amazon Alexa. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The next day, on January 25th, Juliet called the Orlando Police Department to report what she had seen. I think it was the very next day, which would have been January 25th, 2006, I contacted the police department. And did you get in touch with somebody directly and you were able to tell them everything? I told them why I was calling. I had some information about the Jennifer Kessie case. I see. And then did they send an officer to your home? Yes, but not that same day. But it wasn't until a few days later that the couple realized the significance of what they'd witnessed. A black Chevy Malibu was found abandoned in the parking lot of an apartment complex called Huntington on the Green, about one mile away. The car was confirmed to belong to 24-year-old Orlando woman, Jennifer Kessie. Today, her 2004 Chevy Malibu was found at this apartment complex near her condo. The 24-year-old was last heard from Monday night. Her friends passed out these flyers for a second day, hoping that someone has seen her or knows something. Please bring her back. If you have her, please give her back. When you saw the picture of the car on the news, what went through your mind? When I tell you there is no doubt in my mind, once we saw that car on the news, we both knew that was exactly the car we had seen coming out of Mosaic. My memory is so clear. I remember the date. I remember the time. I remember what kind of car it was. 
and I remember the year. Several days later, an officer with the Orlando PD knocked on the couple's door, according to Juliet. When did the police uh, knock on your door? Were they just sort of canvassing the neighborhood and trying to speak with people? I can't be 100% certain, but when they did knock on the door, they talked to me and my husband, and we told them what what we had seen. And then when, I guess, the Cassie family hired their own private investigator, he came and interviewed me. I told him the same story. I wanted to see for myself how well Juliet's story held up. Was it really possible to see what she did from across a busy four-lane road? I asked Mike Toretta, the private investigator hired by the Cassie family, to take me to that intersection. They went this way, Jennifer's car went that way. From the stop sign at Moxie Boulevard and Conroy Road, I could see the entrance and exit of the Mosaic condominiums with no problem. I observed a silver Toyota RAV4 exiting the property and turning right onto Conroy Road. My line of sight was clear and unobstructed. I asked Mike what he thought. How credible do you consider Juliet as a witness? I believe very credible. Uh, I had the opportunity to follow up. Believe it or not, it was October 28th of 2017. I had the opportunity to interview uh, Juliet. And my interest was to follow up on Detective Joel Wright's interview from previous years before. Because I felt, wow, if this information is Correct. You know, at least we have a starting point and possibly a time of day that this could have happened. And what did she tell you? She said she saw a dark car zigzagging uh, and what appeared to be a struggle inside that car. And she said she didn't see the occupants, okay, but the dark car was making strange maneuvers. And it was evident to her people were struggling in that car. We were standing with Mike at the intersection around lunchtime on a Friday, and Conroy Road was busy. I wondered how much traffic Juliet observed that January morning in 2006. Sometimes there is because of of the mall area and the school, but that particular morning it was not a whole lot of traffic. When we got ready to turn, make our right-hand turn from Moxie to Conroy, there was only a few cars around. I see. How rigorously did police investigate Juliet's claim, I wondered? How much contact or interaction did you have with the Orlando Police Department? Did they Not check very in? much. It wasn't very much. How many times did I they I want to say it was only one, one time. Wow. Did the FBI ever speak to you? No. There's no doubt in your mind that the car you saw that morning is the car that belonged to Jennifer Cassie. I, Juliet, can 100% confirm that the car that I saw that morning was the same car that was found at the Huntington on the Green. And if, you know, hindsight, if you knew what you knew today versus what you knew in that moment... I would have reacted differently. I suddenly remembered something that Drew Cassie had told me 
that made Juliet's account seem even more plausible. Jennifer was a fighter, she was street savvy, and she was told by her parents that if she ever fell victim to a carjacking, she should try to crash the vehicle. It would be her best shot at survival. Did it look to you as if somebody might have been trying to crash the car? The best way I can describe it to you, picture me and you in the front seat of a car. You're driving. I'm, I want to get out of the car, so the first thing I'm going to do is grab the steering wheel, and that's going to make the car move side to side. Because you're trying to steer it one way, I'm trying to steer it the opposite way. That is the best insight I can give you to what I saw. Juliet then offered up her own theory about what may have happened to Jennifer, a theory that has not been supported by law enforcement to this day. I talked to my daughter about it. We seen the pictures of Jennifer, how beautiful she was, and when all this sex trafficking thing come about, my daughter said, maybe she isn't dead. Maybe they took it as a sex trafficker. So that was our theory that we talked about. I had heard about the sex trafficking theory before while investigating other stories in Florida. I then asked Drew about what he thought of Juliet's account from the morning of January 24th, 2006. Do you consider them credible? I personally have not spoken with them. I've read their accounts and uh, my investigative team have personally spoken with them as well as law enforcement. As far as I can tell, there's no reason not to believe what they potentially saw. Uh, I think the only thing I can maybe add is, you know, was it really Jennifer's car or was it really Jennifer, so to say, coming out of there? Um, You know, there's a lot of cars that look alike and what some people think driving crazily out of an entrance may be different from what someone else was actually doing. I don't know. I see a lot of crazy drivers on the road, but from what I read and what have you and not, talking to them directly and personally. I don't see anything in interviews and follow-up interviews that varied that said, well, there you go, you know, throw these people out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, no, in fact, their, their interviews has always been around, I think, both with law enforcement and our, our investigation. Joyce and I were held up at gunpoint in, in my home, my family home. And ever since that, as soon as our kids could understand us, we started teaching them just how to be safe. And I truly believe that Jennifer was the safest person I know and many people knew at the time. So, you know, even that you could be taken. And as far as a car, told her flat out that if if you are taken in a car, nothing as good is going to happen. You need to crash that car as soon as you can. You need to do anything you can to bring attention to yourself in that car, period, because the ending is not going to be good. And we taught her that, period, (laughs) straight out. Both of our kids, we taught that. We taught her that if she was ever raped, you have to scream fire, not, not help, because people don't, you know, turn around for help anymore. Do whatever you need to do, Mm -hmm. because the outcome is not going to be good either. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to teach our, our children, but that's reality of the world we live in. And unfortunately, Jennifer happens to be a victim of that world now. How has this weighed on you over the years? I often wonder what happened to her. 
I've been in a situation where I had a sister to be murdered. So I understand they need closure. And I pray all the time for them to find closure. In our next episode of House of Broken Dreams, we hear from a former Orlando homicide detective who is not giving up hope of solving Jennifer's case. There were th- times when we felt like we were going to get a break and we were going to find the person that was responsible. It just takes the right uh, person at the right time. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.